It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, a lot of things have happened in the last 24 hours, and we're here to talk about them. Uh, in the studio, we have Judge Richard Weinberg, we have New York State Chairman Ed Cox, and Congressman Peter King in Congress for 28 years, and Rita Cosby. Well, have you ever seen, guys, you've been in politics all your lives, have you ever seen what's happened in the last, uh, last night's election? No, I think, uh, first, I think, I think all of us as Republicans were disappointed in what happened nationwide. We have Newt coming up and also Joe Cairo on Long Island. Nassau and Suffolk led the country. I mean, well, you, you live in Long Island and yes. Nassau and Suffolk County led the country. They, they wiped out it. It's completely red, red. And yet yeah, there's a hundred thousand. And Nassau, there's a hundred thousand more registered Democrats. The demographics, everything is going against us. And yet we want everything. Well, people just want law and order. Right. And we pushed law and order for New York City. Yeah, and you got, know what happened? As, as Governor Patterson predicted, you know what happened? Nothing. But John, you pushed Nobody it. Nobody went out to vote. And w- yeah, two percent voted, and the Republicans right. only no, won. more than two percent. I mean, uh, you, you had how many voters did you think you had? Uh, uh, Cox, very small percentage, about five percent. Yeah, but that's up to local political wow. organizations to get the vote out, and that's what Nassau did. But this is the city of this is the city of New York. Yeah, you need organizations. It was to get less than ten percent. But, but that's, that's not a mystery. But, re- yeah, that's not a mystery, P. Why? Why didn't they get out the vote? Listen, it's obvious. But Republicans. Well, they don't have the organizations. They don't set them up. Republicans want a seat uh, in the Bronx for the first yeah. time. For in twenty years. Yeah, that was a biggie. Big, uh, Christy Mara Morado. Yeah, that's that was the a biggie. Only one that they won. Yeah, and Vicky Palladino had uh, she won, but she won. Well, she was an advertiser on WABC, so no wonder she she won. (laughs) But you know what I what I found about uh, Vicky and also Christy strong personalities. You knew what they stood for. Uh, Maybe to Pete's point too, it's got to be organization. It's got to be clear candidates, clear messaging. There's no doubt what uh, Vicky Palladino stands for. In New York City, in New York City, a little bit different than Suffolk County, right? Right, And that's okay. Yes. Yeah. Right. But also, and I mean, they're certain Suffolk. They have thousands of committee men. They're working at 24 7, 365. So, what, what does the rest of the country need to learn from that? So learn to, you got to work. You can't you just. You got to go out and work. Got to work. You really got to organize. If you care enough, get out and vote, volunteer, get out there during the year. Yeah. Well, that's, that is absolutely key, we can tell. And we're going to be talking to Newt in about a minute or two. By the way, China also, Hamas, also, makes sense also big news happening also additionally uh, that's going on in Israel. I don't know if mm. you saw this, but there's reports that the Biden administration is trying to force a three-day pause on Israel. Netanyahu and everybody is saying, we're right around the gates of Gaza City. We saw video for the first time today and in the, the tunnels. the gates of hell. Yeah, the gates of hell. Can you imagine, John, if somebody said... Oh, uh, okay, America, you have uh, bin Laden surrounded. Will you take a three-day pause? That's ridiculous. Judge Weinberg, that's obscene to say that. And I'm very upset that the U.N. Secretary General once again said something stupid and morally equivalent about Israel's fighting the war the wrong way. How dare he say that? How dare he? And this is the same guy who said the other. He dares to say it because 
the president of the United States has said it. Right. That opens the door. Yeah, and and the problem is today. I was just watching earlier John Kirby on the air, uh, who looked like he was doing either a waltz or a two step or a tango. Because boy, was he dancing around the answers. And uh, he was asked, you know, okay, so what about the pause? Well, you know, we sort of want to pause. I can confirm. And why aren't we being tougher with Iran with all these attacks on our U.S. bases? There have been 40 attacks, and all we've hit back is two empty warehouses in Syria. Well, you know, it, it, we just look so weak, and weakness is where we are right mm-hmm. now. Isn't and that's similar to when they wanted to hit uh, terrorists uh, and, and the trucks were driving by, and President Obama says, well, you got to make sure uh, that the uh, you tell the driver to get out of the truck before you hit the truck. <laughs> I remember the incident. Yes, that was that was Obama. And by the way, this is Obama's third term. Biden is just following what Biden did. Same kind and of. And that's thinking. why this country is in such trouble because we're in trouble because Iran is strong, and that's because of well his nuclear deal with Iran. Congressman King was there. What say you, Congressman? Watch uh, uh, I mean, Obama. Yeah, uh, Obama was always had one hand behind his back. I mean, uh, it was go forward, but not like with Syria. He drew the red line in Syria. If Russia crosses this red line, we're getting involved. They cross the red line. We did nothing at all. We, uh, same with Ukraine. They went into Ukraine. Went into Georgia. Did absolutely nothing in Ukraine. And and, and uh, with the red line in Syria, he called in the Russians to help yes, them enforce. Right. Now the Russians he, he brought Russia into the Middle East. Yeah. After, yeah. after Nixon threw them out in 1973. Exactly. Yeah. And now, they, that's when they came back. By the way, there was a glimmer of hope in Congress last night uh, amidst all the craziness with the elections. Suddenly, they did decide to censure Rashida Tlaib yes. uh, for all her uh, pro-Hamas and anti-Israel rhetoric. It's more than anti. Excuse me. It's more than anti-Israel. It's anti-Semitic rhetoric. Yeah. Yeah, okay. and and it's downright disgusting. Um, you should have seen her. She was saying, "Oh, this is terrible." She, of course, said it's racist that they're going after her. Other members of the Democratic Socialists also were saying the same thing. Oh, I had her arm around her and everything. Yeah, did you see the uh, the crocodile to the screaming? It was. But I'm happy that at least they did it, right. and a number of Democrats yeah. also voted. Them, yeah. Yes, twenty two came over and said we're also censuring her, that we don't agree with what she's saying. I thought that was great. Yep. But you're getting to the reason why Biden's talking about a pause to to placate his left wing. That's why. Pure politics. To placate Iran, who who exactly. paid, who who's the one that paid Hamas to go in and kill the, uh, kill the Israelis? R- rather than, uh, rather than uh, let uh, Netanyahu get the IDF in there and wipe out Hamas, mm-hmm. And then you show strength and you get respect in the Mideast. You show weakness, you don't get respect. And meantime, by the way, uh, the Hamas leaders are leaving high in the hog. Uh, they are worth, here's the three sort of leading Hamas guys that are outside of Gaza. $4 billion one, $4 billion worth on another, $3 billion on another. Sounds like so, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, I mean, isn't it? What a sham is this? There they are living they're high paying, on the hog. They're paying to create the problem. Yeah, they sure are. Well, joining us now to talk about all of this, we have former House Speaker Newt Gingrich. Uh, Newt, we are talking about the election and obviously Israel. Uh, since we're talking Israel, real quick, your thoughts about the way that President Biden has handled this so far? Because there is so much going on today. Newt, can you hear us? Okay, we're going to have him call back. Uh, and as we're waiting, um, this is crazy, you guys, uh, about the net worth. Because they're sitting there saying, well, what do we do? With all the, you know, all, uh, what do we do? We need, we need a humanitarian pause. And I feel bad for the people. Just, just in to the remind everybody, Rita, 
to pay off 10,000 Hamas people to go in and kill people, $10,000 each, that's only $100 million. Yeah, and, John, because they're worth billions upon billions of dollars. And, and, that, and if they shorted the stock market when they knew that they were going in, they would have made back double coupons. <laughs> and meantime, there are reports, according to Israel, that the Hamas leaders have so much a fuel, so much food that they've stockpiled it all. All that humanitarian aid, so-called, goes directly into the hands of Hamas. It's not given to the people. Yeah, and that's, that's why it is just came ridiculous. From that the leaders have exactly. And by the way, we have Newt Gingrich back. We had a little bit of technical issues, but Newt Gingrich is back with us now, Mr. Speaker. Great to have you here. Well, I'm glad to chat with you. Yeah, yeah you know, uh, go ahead, John. Newt, I mean, let's go straight to the to, to the beef. I mean, what happened in our uh, country? With, uh, we were supposed to have a red wave last night again. I know. Look, look there are a couple of things that are going wrong, I think. Um, one is that the Republican consultants, I think, are mostly out of it, don't understand how the right. modern world is working. Um, and I look at what this is part of why I wrote the book, March the Majority, to try to get across what Reagan did right. And what Republicans have to learn to do right, um, you had places that were real bright spots. And if you look at uh, Long Island, for example, you had victories there you haven't had in 20 years. Right. Uh, but they were driven by issues, and there were people who were uh, dealing with crime and dealing with immigration and dealing with uh, the pri- high prices. And they beat the Democrats on a very issue-oriented basis. I think you had uh, other places where Republicans didn't either didn't understand how to use the issues or allowed the news media to define the issues, and they lost. No, this is, no, this is Pete King. I was in Congress when you brought Republicans back for the first time in 40 years. Nobody thought it could be done. I think what you saw in Long Island yesterday was similar to what you did. You worked every district. You had congressmen from the Northeast, from the South, everywhere. You made it a cohesive unit, and you and you state uh, you frame the issues depending on the uh, the section of the country. It was it's twenty four seven. I mean, you spent I don't know how many years doing it before we got it done, and then it was uh, you know a uh, earthquake in, in uh, nineteen ninety four. Well, that, that's part of why I wrote uh, March the Majority because it it's really a playbook on how to do it. And I have to say, Pete, every person I talk to today about the remarkable results did you and said that you had been so helpful to the cause and you had been so important in the development of the team out there. And of course they had a large number of women candidates. They had a large yep. number of minority candidates uh, and they were able to bring together just a remarkable team. And as a result, it's, it's, it's you know, it's not the old Republican party. It was a new issue oriented idea oriented and, and diverse party. And I think the other thing that's happening in New York and that you could feel yesterday uh, was that the Jewish communities begin to figure out that the Democrats have a terrorist wing and a pro-terrorist wing uh, and that they're not compatible with uh, the Jewish community's future. And so you had a pretty significant shift over the last couple of years uh, towards the Republican Party, and that's likely to continue. But but your, your, your kind words were exactly right. It took us 16 years to figure out how to do it. We we largely figured it out by studying Reagan, uh, and if if the modern generation would study Reagan and understand how he did it and, and why he did it, uh, they would be twenty or thirty times more successful. You've now been you've seen a disappointing result in two thousand eighteen, 
a disappointing result in 2020, a disappointing result in 2022, and a disappointing result yesterday. And at some point, you think people would stop and say, gee, maybe we're not doing something right. The abortion maybe issue. We need to learn new things. Newt, is it the abortion issue? No. Uh, I mean, in, in New York, they handled it. They went straight at it. Uh, which, you, Republicans are not going to win on the abortion issue. But Republicans can, can cope with the abortion issue well enough to win on everything else. I mean, if you say to the average person, you know, let, let's talk about crime in the streets. Let's talk about a uh, number of people dying from drug overdoses. Let's talk about the price of living and how much it costs you at the gas station and the grocery store. Let's talk about 8 million people illegally in the United States because of the Biden policies. Uh, and let's talk about Biden. The, the governor of Kentucky survived barely, but he dropped 16 points in two weeks when they tied him to Biden. And, and I, I was struck with it. There, the, when Connie Mack ran back uh, for the U.S. Senate, I think it was in 86, uh, he was up against a, a, a liberal Democrat pretending to be moderate, and they came up with a commercial that said, hey, buddy, you're a liberal. That's all it said. And they ran this commercial in Florida for week after week after week. Uh, and, and the Democrats started with a huge lead. But as people started to think about it, they drove home that he was a liberal. Well, if, if you look at the vote yesterday, for example, uh, on uh, repudiating to Congresswoman Tlaib for her comments about destroying Israel, and you realize that most of the Democrats voted with her, and that includes Democrats in New York City. Uh, that issue can be driven home in every district where they did it. You look at the vote on, on parental rights, and you realize that virtually every single Democrat voted against parents. That issue can be driven home. But that means you have to have a party, and you have to have consultants, and you have to have a staff who are willing to study the issues, focus on the issues, and drive home the issues and win the argument. So I, I want to ask you about uh, Glenn Youngkin, um, because Glenn Youngkin, of course, is someone when you talked about parental rights, uh, he was, you know, obviously that was a huge issue for him, Newt. Uh, but yet, uh, look what happened with the legislature there. And that's a guy he works very hard, super sharp, um, went to all the counties, did a lot of the things you're all ta- you're talking about. But what happened there? Well, first of all, I, I was very worried when I saw him on TV on Monday because he had a chant about um, keep the House and win the Senate, which made no sense. I mean, what, what does that have to do with my life as a normal person? Totally partisan. Uh, and, and I felt like he, you know, I don't know whether this is consultants or whatever, uh, but one of the things I'm going to really try to insist on is to have the Republican National Committee go into Virginia and do a post-election in-depth survey and ask people, what do you think the Democrats stood for, and what do you think the Republicans stood for in this election? Because I want to see what messages we're getting through. And my hunch is you're going to that the Republicans didn't drive home messages. You know, one again, if you look at Long Island, this is where Pete King is exactly right. <clears throat> they were very aggressive about taxes. They were very aggressive about crime. They were very aggressive about immigration. They know that Governor Hochul's proposal to put uh, apartment buildings all in, in all of the inner city areas. They're going to destroy Long Island if she's... Uh, and so people got it. 
New- and and people, you know, and then it, it eliminates, it dramatically reduces the impact of abortion if there are five or six other issues that really matter to your life. Newt, I'm going to give you the opportunity. Joe Cairo is on the other phone. Put Joe Cairo on to congratulate Joe Cairo. He's the, uh, he was, he's the chairman of, uh, Nassau County. County. County, yeah. Joe well, Cairo, are you on? Joe, you're on with Newt Gingrich. Newt Gingrich yeah, wants yeah. to say congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, listen, everything I look at, everything I've heard from Alan Roth and, and, and uh, others, uh, you, uh, and uh, I commend you, and you've been very methodical and very serious. And I was commenting a while ago, you've been out there recruiting women, you've been recruiting minorities, you put together a ticket uh, that re- that attracted a lot of different folks, and then you waged a very smart, very intelligent campaign. And I was... Before you got on the phone, I was, I was commending Pete King for the role he's played in helping rebuild the party in Long Island, and I think you guys are on to something. I, I, I agree with you. Pete has been a major component in rebuilding our party here on the island. And I was listening to you just a few moments ago, and you, you just accurately said what we've been doing. Not only are we recruiting more women and minorities, you know, our party is all inclusive here on Long Island, both Jesse Garcia in Suffolk and with us here in Nassau. But you hit the nail on the head when you said there were issues. Obviously, taxes, crime, hopeless housing plan. Uh, they're the things that people are concerned about. And that's what we addressed. And we, we try to come up with good candidates. We did, you know, up in the Great Neck area. Peter's very familiar with it. Up in the Great Neck area, the county legislature in Nassau was created in 1995. We never won that seat. Never did the Republican take that seat until two years ago when we ran Mazi Pillip. Mazi is a uh, Ethiopian Jewish woman who migrated, uh, who actually escaped Ethiopia. Her grandmother woke her up one morning at 5 a.m. when she was 12 years old, said we're fleeing the country. They went to the U.S. Embassy and through uh, the Israeli Embassy to Israel. She kissed the ground in Israel when she arrived. You know, she was now going to have the opportunity to, 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 to grow up and, and have a free life. And she made a commitment to herself then that she would follow up. And she did join the IDF and become a paratrooper. And she was our candidate, 21. She won by 1,000 votes. Last night, she won by overwhelmingly by almost 4,000 votes. So, so Mozzie's a great candidate, and she's indicative of what we're trying to do here on Long Island. Um, not only do we have the issues, but we have the candidates, and we work hard. As Peter can tell you, we work, you know, every day throughout the year, um, and we've been very successful. Independent voters have come on strong for us, as well as some Democrats who've just had enough, you know. So, oh, so no, we the- rely on John McLaughlin. and Joe uh, really relies on John McLaughlin. We listen to him. We adapt as we go along. And but Joe is 24-7, 365. He drives us all crazy. <laughs> that's a good thing. Absolutely. That, that's a, that's Absolutely. a compliment, Joe. Absolutely. That is. You know, and, and, and listen, I hope uh, the rest of the country can look at this yeah. clear messaging and some of the work stuff because it's obviously a, it's a good role yeah. model. And there are 100,000 more Democrats. Well, let me finish. And if it wasn't for WABC, would have everybody listens to in Nassau and Suffolk County. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And made it clear also, John, too, we laid out who is sort of protecting the community. I mean, just some of the issues you just talked about. 
they didn't want to see the housing in the suburbs. They wanted to the protecting in the streets. All of those things. I'm just I'm surprised that some of the other places didn't pick up on some of the clear work that you're doing. It's old shoe leather sort of politics. Joe and Cairo. Obviously it works. Joe Cairo, was there anything you didn't win last night? Uh, we were we were successful. We maintained what we did was this. We maintained our majority in the county county legislature, winning twelve of nineteen seats. We not only did we have a great night in Oyster Bay and in Hempstead Town, where we swept everything, we maintained our majority and reelected the mayor in Glencoe. And then the big ones were, the big ones were, first of all, in the legislature, we took out a, in the county legislature, we took out Josh Lapizan, who uh, was first elected to a local school board many years ago. Uh, he was running for both the legislature and wanted to run for Congress next year at the same time. So that was a tremendously big victory. Then in the city of Long Beach, which is a traditional Democrat stronghold, we swept it, took all three council seats, and Patrick Mullaney, a county legislator who's a New York City fire lieutenant, he ran for the first time and won. And then, of course, the big thing was North Hempstead. North Hempstead is a town made up mostly of villages, uh, somewhat more affluent and upscale than Hempstead or perhaps Oyster Bay. And in North Hempstead, we had not won the supervisor's race there since 1989. We won it two years ago with Jen DeSena. We also won two council seats two years ago. Last night, not only was Jen reelected, but Mary Jo Collins was elected as tax receiver. And, and we also elected a, a councilman, uh, Ed Scott, who uh, will now give us the majority. So we had, we had a clean, clean sweep throughout Nassau County. And with Ed Romaine in Suffolk, it's just a great night for Republicans on Long Island. Well, you need to play the lottery, I think, because obviously you're right. You uh, have a good, uh, yeah. good Ed, taste Ed there. Cox, last word before Chair, we go for a break. Cairo, Ed Cox here, and bless you for the great work that you've done in Nassau County. I wish there were 62 county chairs just like you. And I think Joe Cairo did uh, this year and last year what Newt Gingrich did in 1994. Well, Amen. thank you, Newt. Yeah, thank, thank you, Joe Cairo. And, uh, you. Thank you. And uh, we'll, let's take a break right now, and we'll be right back. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. We were just talking with Newt, who congratulated the Nassau County GOP chair, Joe Cairo. And now let's go to Suffolk County in New York, which also had some really, really big wins. Uh, joining us is the GOP chair, the chairman of the party there, Jesse Garcia. Uh, Jesse, you had some huge wins last night. Uh, I'm thinking of Ed Romaine. Of course, the county supervisor, that's a biggie. County executive. County executive, county executive. And and also, by the way, one of the guys who spoke out very early on about the migrants not coming to remember, he was very, exactly. very vocal. Yeah. Uh, Jesse, your thoughts about the success and, and go go through some of the big wins, because it was historic in Suffolk County, too. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. And I was just listening to my dear friend, Joe Cairo. I want to congratulate him on some amazing wins. In Nassau County. Hey, Jesse, and, this know, is Pete Kane. Congratulations to you. I'll be off after this. I want to uh, congratulate you. Great win. It's always a pleasure. You're a great friend and a great partner. Um, you know, I think that Joe Cairo and I have demonstrated here on Long Island that we are, and we have created a big red brick wall uh, for these liberal policies. And, you know, maybe it wasn't so good nationally, but there was a red wave. And I always say this, you know, 
you know, cycles come and cycles go. I think it takes, you know, committees like the National Republican Committee and the Suffolk County Republican Committee to capture the energy of those waves and extend them to to take in seats and, and hit seats that maybe would just been just shy um, if we did not put a lot of work into it. Last night, you know, for the first time in 20 years, we elected a Republican county executive at Ed Romain. Um, not only did we retain our 11-7 majority, which was elected two years ago for the first time in 16 years, we expanded and now we have a supermajority in this county legislature, um, flipping two seats, the 6th legislative district, which is in Brookhaven, that takes in communities, uh, Rocky Point, Sound Beach, um, Miller Place, and Mount Sinai, and of course the North Fork, Legislative District 1, which hasn't been in our column in about 11 years. Uh, which takes up Riverhead, South Hold, Shelter Island, and parts of Brookhaven. So, Jesse, so now, let, Jesse, let me ask you, though, why do you think, and since you were right there on the front lines, as Pete was, too, and everybody, and we were just talking with Joe Cairo, why did it not replicate in other parts of the country? What what was so unique, you think, that was happening there with you guys? Obviously, bravo. Let, let me start by answering that, because we had a great chair, Jesse Garcia. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I, he I came agree in with and that. he started, tell us what you did in 2001, uh, 2000, excuse me, 21 and 2022 to build it up to yeah. 2023. Well, oh, thank you. Uh, and I truly appreciate that. But I have to tell you, um, you know, I'm a, I'm a town chairman first. I'm the town chairman of Brookhaven. I've been the town chairman of Brookhaven town, the largest com- uh, committee in Suffolk County for the last 16 years. Um, the rest of the county committee uh, placed their trust in me uh, in 2019 to, you know, bring the Brookhaven way countywide. And, you know, we had to demonstrate the ability of uh, trust and results. And that's what happened. I mean, we're a system of towns in Suffolk County where the power base is in our towns and then it rises up from the bottom to the county. And what we did is we started sharing and coordinating a lot more. We started in 2019 where, um, and that year, you know, I, I was elected in a special election to fill the vacancy in April, so I inherited a, a slate. And it took me a couple of months to start putting in the planks of our tools in there. But then in 2020, despite it being COVID, it gave me an opportunity to work with our town leaders, work with our committee people who I didn't know through other nine towns, and show them a co- and share tools that we had, share philosophies that we had. And, you know, one of the things I had is a great partner in 2020 in Lee Zeldin, where for the years that I served as Brookhaven chair, we always um, operated under the umbrella um, of the top race in that cycle. In 2020, it was Lee Zeldin. So if you were a committee person in Melville or if you were a committee person in Amityville, Orient Point or Montauk, we were all carrying um, under the umbrella of Lee Zeldin and, and our congressional candidates at that point. And so we were able to all work as a unit. We coordinated of our towns, we coordinated of our committee people. So we all were walk, walking and talking to the same people, identifying the same people. We brought the advent of team door hangers to the countywide operation. You know, because I know people love to see their pictures on mail pictures and Jesse, on palm cards. You did a great so, job. All I want to know, are we going to be safe walking around Suffolk County? Are we going to be safe walking around Southampton? Are we going to be safe walking around West Hampton? Don't forget about the North Fork. We're just a little bit safer right now because we have Ray Tierney as our district attorney. And and, and I've said this before. There was 
um, a, a palatable feeling in, August, in January of 2022 when Ray Tierney, a professional prosecutor, took the oath of Boston's office and became our district attorney. Now, with a partner like Ed Romaine, who he has worked with in the past as the Brookhaven Town Supervisor and the district attorney, Ed Romaine has made crime fighting, getting the latest crime fighting tools, beefing up the detective squad so that we can investigate crimes, hiring more prosecutors, hiring more cops as part of his plan for a safer Suffolk. And he's going to do that with working in partnership with District Attorney Tierney, giving him the latest crime fighting tools so we will be safe. And of course, I think Jesse, Ed Koch here, Ed Ray Tierney broke the Gilco case, didn't he? Yes, he did. Yes, he did. It was huge. In 18 months, he broke that Gilco case. Are there going to be more uh, people being turned in now? Uh, you know what? He's the prosecutor. He's a professional. When he thinks it's ready, the best thing about uh, Ray Tierney is that he said he would not hold press conferences. He would not you know, put on the windbreaker for the purposes of TV. When he has something to announce, he'll announce it. And that's what he did in the Gilgo case. Well, let's see where it goes. By the way, Jesse Garcia, congratulations on a big win out there. A big, big wins, especially with Ed Romaine and all the other ones that you did. And a good shoe leather uh, politics, it sounds, and a good base as you've been beefing up. Thank you very much, Thank Jesse. You. Congratulations, Jesse. Yeah, congrats. Big congrats. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the redistricting case in New York. Lots of big developments. And also, we're going to go to New Jersey. Uh, what happened there? We're going to talk with Frank Morano and Michael Goodwin. Big news. James Comer has now subpoenaed some Biden family members. We're going to talk about that and a lot more. A lot ahead on Katz and, and, and Doug Schoen. Yeah, Doug Schoen on Biden. Uh, some interesting poll numbers. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And we're back here on Katz and Cosby. Of course, a big redistricting fight, which Ed Cox says, uh, you know a lot about that. Well, and as we are talking about that, we're hearing a little auto on the other one here. we got to clean that out. Okay. All right. Here we go. Well, we are talking about redistricting. You can tell even Bob Brown is up in arms about redistricting. But joining us now to talk about all of this is Bobby Ann Cox. Uh, she's an attorney with Cox Lawyers in Westchester County, familiar with constitutional law and a whole bunch more. Ed Cox, take it away with Bobby Ann Cox. Yep. Big Cox, hearing, uh, Bobby big... Cox and Ed Cox. <laughs> no, <laughs> no relation. No, no relation. We're both lawyers. <laughs> yeah, both lawyers. Both smart people. Yeah. Well, we've got a big hearing coming up on November 15th. And this is attempts by the Democrats to do a redo of, uh, of their gerrymandering. Uh, what do you think about it, Bobby Ann? Yeah, so um, it's it's quite the spectacle. Um, I'm not actually the attorney that's handling the case. I'm I'm with an organization um, that's called Stop New York Corruption. Oh, we know that. Um, that's Misha Saitlin, who has been a superb one the first time around, and he's ready to lead us in the hearing this time around. But you've got a good view of it. Let us tell us about it. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, the case is now before the Court of Appeals, the the state's highest court. Um, and it, yeah, it's, it's the Democrats that brought the case, uh, originally. They're trying to basically have the maps that were drawn last year by the independent master, uh, thrown out 
And they want to, you know, they're arguing that those maps were only drawn last year for the 2022 elections um, and that they should be redrawn again now for the 2024 elections. Um, And that's not what the Constitution says. You know, the Constitution is very clear in New York State. Um, You know, the maps are supposed to be drawn once every 10 years. It coincides with the census. And you're not supposed to redraw maps within that 10 year period. Exactly. Those those are the issues. But talk about what the Senate did with respect to corrupting our highest court in the sense of ripping away from the governor her right to nominate. Yeah, well, so, you know, the judges on the Court of Appeals are are the judges on the Court of Appeals. You know, that's not going to change with this case. Um, what what we have to really focus on is the constitutionality of the case before the court. And, you know, traditionally speaking, the Court of Appeals is a court of constitutional decisions. I mean, they have consistently upheld the Constitution. Just last year, the Court of Appeals struck down the original case uh, that was brought for the the redistricting. Um, they they the Democrats what they had done was they have a supermajority in the New York State Legislature as as you well know, um, and so what they did was the the maps were supposed to be drawn by an independent redistricting commission, the IRC. So what That's happened, what real quick, Bobby? Says. Yeah. So what happened was the maps were not drawn by the IRC as per the Constitution, and instead the New York State Legislature stepped in drew the maps, again, supermajority Democrats draw the map, they drew the maps, those maps were then sued, we sued over those maps to say, no, you can't do this, you did not follow the Constitution. So those maps were thrown out by the Court of Appeals last year, the Court of Appeals then appointed an independent master to draw the maps for the 2022 election, which that's what was, that's exactly what happened. We had the 2022 elections based on those maps that were drawn by an independent special master. And we saw some of the most competitive races in New York state that we've seen in, in a very long time. Right. So, right. It, you, you know, the, the maps that were drawn and used last year by the independent master are the ones that are supposed uh, are to they going to try to change them. Yes, that's exactly what this lawsuit is about. Yes, absolutely. The Democrats want to go back to the drawing board. They want to go back and redraw the maps again. And I understand no, November 15th, it goes to the court. We right. got to, Thank you for coming on. Yeah, this really Cox. interesting to give the history. Yeah, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, maybe when uh, when it comes to the court case. Yeah, and keep us posted too, Ed Cox, too, as well, Probably because will. Wow, it's right around the corner. Cox and Cox will keep us posted. Yeah, Cox and Company. <laughs> I, I Cox understand right. we got That's Doug Schoen on. Let's go to Doug Schoen. You got it. We have Doug Schoen now, political pollster. Uh, Doug, we are talking, of course, about the elections last night. Uh, but also, what about the Biden effect? Um, there's been some of these new polls that have come out on Joe Biden that are definitely not good for the president. Uh, there was another one that just came out a little bit ago from CNN. Uh, the other one was New York Times Siena showing that Trump would beat him. Um, is that a trend? And is how big of a concern? Obviously, Democrats well, in some there, places there, felt they did well there, last night, but maybe not next year. There are two trends that are going in different directions, Rita, as you were pointing out. First, uh, Biden is undeniably slipping. In every poll, even polls done by outlets that have traditionally had sympathetic polls to him, he's slipping. That's number one. But last night, we saw whether it be in Kentucky, whether it be in the Virginia legislature, uh, the abortion referendum in Ohio, the 
pro-abortion position has clearly galvanized voters, and it is an issue for the Republicans going forward that they have not yet either addressed successfully or solved. Doug, this is Pete King. Let me just counter that a little bit. I agree with you on the importance of the abortion issue, but it's a big issue in New York also, and yet on Long Island, we swept everything, and in Suffolk County, they took it on, and they they, they worked hard. I think Republicans have to find a way to articulate it, and again, it was done on Long Island. We had the best results in the country last night, and our demographics are nothing like the rest of the country. Well, what I would say, Pete, and you, again, you may disagree, but my sense of it is the problems in New York State are so palpable, so substantial. Crime. Uh, yeah, things are so bad. <laughs> did you ever Under, think you did? We're all going, yeah. Immigrants, huge issues. Right. You're absolutely right. Right, things are such a mess. That, that basically, it, abortion becomes more important when there are less pressing issues, and indeed in the presidential race, to follow Pete King's logic, people are voting on bigger issues. I don't think Trump versus Biden is going to turn on pro-choice. I just don't think it will. Uh, And when you poll Long Island, as I've done, and the election results show, there's so much anger to Kathy Hochul and the Democrats um, that... uh, uh, abortion is not going to be a powerful enough issue to uh, so, bad pun Trump. So, Doug, uh, the off, off of these polls, uh, you found people like Axelrod really speaking for Obama saying maybe the president should consider not running again. And the New York Times seems to be pushing it. Others. CNN just had a poll. Do, I was do just you saying think that, that Biden may decide not to run again under that kind of pressure and taking a look at the polls. You know, Ed, I think there are three issues. Biden. First are the poll numbers. Second is his age. And third is the issue of corruption. I think he will probably have a family meeting over the holidays and make a decision uh, what he wants to do, what's in his uh, personal and arguably political interest. The problem the Democrats have bluntly is the likely nominee, if that timetable is correct, other than Joe Biden is Kamala Harris, who is even less popular than he is. So the possibility at the end of the day for someone like a Gavin Newsom to come in is really tough. And if you look at the um, picture of life in California, it's hard to make the case that successfully that he'll do for America what he did for California. Uh, Doug, do me a favor, if you could stay with us, okay? Because we're going to bring in Frank Morano, who's our great host of The Other Side of Midnight. Uh, he's going to be talking about what happened in New Jersey, and then we can get your take on New that. New Jersey, we lost three. We, the, the Republicans were supposed to sweep, and they lost their more. Yeah, big time. Uh, so let's go to Frank Morano. Frank, you cover New Jersey. You spent a lot of time in Atlantic City, but that's another story, <laughs> right? But well, the, the so Republicans actually... The Republicans actually did well in uh, South Jersey and Atlantic County, but uh, John is exactly right. I mean, people were talking about the Republicans winning one or both houses of the legislature for the first time in a long time because they helped draw these districts along with the Democrats. It wasn't like a situation with New York where they were running potentially against a gerrymandered map. This was a very good map for the Republicans, and issue after issue seemed to be breaking their way. Uh, the issue of uh, offshore wind, the issue of crime, uh, a lot of what was 
going on in schools. And I, I think part of it is is just what you guys have been talking about, the mismanagement of the party. The Democrats had a much more robust field operation and a much more robust vote-by-mail operation. The Democrats were also smart. A lot of voters got property tax rebates right before the election. And I think that, combined with uh, embracing vote-by-mail, where a lot of Republicans were lo- reluctant to do that, I think that all bode in the uh, Democrats' favor. So I thought after the strong showing that Jack Chitterelli had two years ago, uh, we would see much stronger Republican gains. But it turned out to be a lot more like last year, where people were expecting doom and gloom for the Democrats, and the uh, Democrats exceeded expectations. But, uh, uh, but, but uh, Frank, you, knew that you do need to have some power if you're going to put in place all the things that a party should. And just because Jack Chitterelli lost, he should have won that. Uh, that race. Uh, just agree. Like, yeah. You and, know, but one of the things that you did as chairman, both in your first incarnation and I think from what I've heard you're doing now as the Grover Cleveland of uh, Republican chairman <laughs> is um, you really built an organization that was not centered around a personality. And if you look at what you did, uh, you won the county executive in uh, Westchester, a whole bunch of other places that Republicans don't traditionally win. If you look at what the gains the Republicans made last year and are continuing to make, Jersey didn't do that. Under Chris Christie's leadership, the party kind of became like a cult of personality and existed only to serve Chris Christie. And I think now, unfortunately, the Republicans are paying the bill for that now. And I'm not sure what that portends for the open governor's seat in two years. Yeah. And um, by the way, uh, Doug, uh, Doug Schoen, yeah. do you know much about New Jersey? I've worked there for since working for Governor Brendan Byrne, uh, John, wow. back in, in 1981. So, yes, I've and I worked for a guy named McGreevy for a while. So, yeah, I, I know. Well, McGreevy's running again. You have a new, a new job. Yeah, get off the speaker, Doug. Get off the speaker. Okay, all right. But uh, I, I would tell you the Democratic Party is extremely well organized in New Jersey. I think it's right to say that. Um, they, it, it is much more like an old-style machine in New Jersey like in New York State, which is every man and woman for themselves. So it's tighter party discipline, better get out the vote. And frankly, from everything I've seen, I've seen a much better party organization uh, in these districts that are very competitive. So I think I'm agreeing with what Frank is saying in the analysis you all are offering. All right. Well, Doug Schoen, thank you so much for your perspective. Always my pleasure. Thank you, my friend. And Frank, thank you very much. And we'll be tuning in tonight on the other side of midnight at 1 a.m. to 5 a.m. I hate you because you keep me awake because I listen to it. I should go to bed after my show, but I stay up and listen to you, Frank. Thank Uh, you. Good night. Take care. Thank you. Good night, Frank. (laughs) Thanks. And coming up, by the way, uh, Doug talked about corruption in the Biden family, some huge developments with Comer issuing subpoenas to Biden family members, that and a lot and more. And I understand the White House is jumping up and down. Uh, uh, jumping, uh, uh, turning their heads. And, I think they're and frustrated. And we have Michael Goodwin from the New York Post coming on, too. He's coming up to talk about all that and much more after the break. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. 
And we are back here on Cats and Cosby. Well, uh, the White House press secretary apparently is jumping up and down screaming now that James Comer, who's head of the House Oversight Committee, has subpoenaed Biden family members and joining us to talk about all of this is Michael Goodwin, Pulitzer Prize winning columnist with the New York Post. Uh, Michael, he finally did it. And apparently the White House is steaming. <laughs> well, Rita, I think uh, this day has come that we've entered a new phase of the uh, the preliminary uh, inquiry of impeachment. And um, I think that uh, the, the information gathered so far about the $240,000 that Joe Biden received and two different checks from his brother during this period when the brother, Jim Biden, was in partnership with Hunter and others uh, with the Chinese governments and Chinese banks, et cetera. So I think it is uh, finally coming home to roost. It's going to be a, it's going to be a battle. Um, they're going to fight, of course, and attack and act as though the president uh, has done nothing wrong. He's a, he's an honest civil servant his entire the, life. The cetera, American people are entitled to the truth. That's all we want is just the truth. Yeah, get answers. Uh, you know, having it hanging you know, because out there isn't if, good for anybody. If they accepted that much money from foreign governments, then some of the actions that have been taken, I'm scratching my head. Well, you mean uh, the son of a bee? Look what happened. Uh, he didn't. Yeah. Uh, they fired the prosecutor in so, Ukraine. So, so Michael, <laughs> they have issued subpoenas, but will the Justice Department enforce them? No. Otherwise, what happens? No. Yes. So is it gratuitous? Yeah. That's a great point. Well. Well, no, because I think if I understand the law correctly, Richard, uh, that the uh, because it is an impeachment inquiry, uh, these subpoenas carry more weight That's right. than exactly if right, just Michael. the committee. That's yeah. exactly and right. If, and if they move to a full impeachment, then there's even more weight. And there's another name that uh, is not getting a lot of attention uh, who's also been subpoenaed, a man named Rob Walker. Uh, now, I think Hunter Biden will be, probably be able to fight the subpoenas on the grounds that he's under investigation or, you know, been accused of a crime and therefore blah, blah, blah. But I think that Rob Walker uh, will have really no defense. And he has talked to the FBI. He was another partner with Tony Bobolinsky, James Killier, uh, Hunter, James Biden, and, of course, the big guy. And James uh, Biden, the brother, has no defense at all, Michael. Yes. No, I think that's right, too. Uh, and he's, you know, he and his wife are the ones who were forwarding this money to Joe Biden. Now, this idea that both of these two checks, one for 200, one for 40, were uh, thousands, were uh, both loan repayment. That's what they wrote in the memo line. Um, I think, the again, Comer is pretty sharp on this, and they've gone after, well, then, Show us where was the loan. What, and, what, and where, where did Biden where get the money? To make that, and the other question is, where did Biden as a civil servant get the money to loan that kind of money? That's right. And and these are all, if not, then what, there's a tax issue for everybody. So um, it, it is, I think, the, a big, big moment when they got these checks. Uh, I think, you know, because of the events in the Mideast, um, a lot of people haven't heard of this. This is sort of flying under the radar. But at some point, I think the air will be cleared enough that more people will hear about this, that more of the subpoenas go out. It takes time to get them back, et cetera, et cetera. 
But I think that we are, as I say, entering a new phase of this inquiry. Will that phase, uh, Ed Cox, will that phase be amplified by the fact that the party is really questioned whether Biden's the right candidate to go forward? They'd like to see him out. You know, and I've I've always believed that this the whole the whole situation with Hunter is certainly a uh, a head another headwind for Joe Biden politically. And along with these polls showing Donald Trump beating him in the battleground states, et cetera, and the lousy approval numbers for Joe on the economy and things like that, that just really are not going to change. I mean, Bidenomics is, is a failure, according to the American people. And I think that's pretty much the final word on it. Uh, but, but I do think the, the issue of Joe Biden's poor political standing is going to add another problem and another reason why this case takes on added importance because he's got he's got no friends and lots of problems. Yeah. I mean, this is not an ideal situation for a president. And Michael, we just have a few seconds left. You wrote a really uh, powerful column about the fact that all the Trump kids have been hauled in. Ivanka testified today on this kangaroo right. case, Michael. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a disgrace. I mean, to have the attorney general of New York sitting in the court every day and then having a little press conference at the end of the day to hit to hit the defendant. I mean, you've, I've never now I know it's a civil trial, but I've never seen anything like this. And then you, as I did in the column, you track the records of her previous statements. I'm going to get him and his family. Uh I mean, this is unbelievable. This is, as I say, it's, it's a disgrace that this is one promise she has kept. Um, by the way, Michael, we just also have some breaking news uh, that the U.S. has carried out airstrikes in Syria after a drone was shot down. Sort of another response. Remember, there's been like 40 attacks. Is this an um, empty tent or an empty warehouse? Yeah, is it an empty warehouse again? Uh, you know, is he trying to, like, uh, look tough? <laughs> well, yes. I, I, the, the idea is that we're sending a signal, but I think... This, the Iranians are getting a different signal than the one he thinks he's sending because it has not deterred them. Yeah, they're hearing them they're hearing ka-ching, 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 because that's what they're yeah. hearing, you know, like money coming in, whether it's uh, Obama part three, as you were saying, Ed, before, you know. Yes. No, it's extraordinary. The the coddling of Iran by the Obama and, and the Biden years and all the money they've made, all the money, not just that we've unfrozen or returned to them, but but the money they've been able to make by the sale of oil. Um, it, it's all of it or most of it is going to finance these terror groups. Yeah, uh, it, it's an extraordinary mistake we've made. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we're going to be feeling it for a long time to come. Let's see where this goes. And the debates tonight, so let's see what they do. There's going to be all these hot topics. Uh, what an interesting day. Mike Goodwin, Michael Goodwin, thank you so much. We love you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you all. Thank well, you. another great show. I mean, yeah, it was. You can't get yeah. the amount of information you get in our show. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and look at, look at the great guests from Peter King, Ed Cox, Judge Weinberg, and, of course, John Katzenmatidis and and, and John Acock. Yeah, that wow, this is Hi. an all-star team. I'm the lucky lady with all uh, you what guys. What do we all stand for? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and the American, American way. way. God bless America.